0: I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal. And this is your Peak Daily for Monday, January 24th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, we have a new game plan to reopen the province of Ontario. What do you think?
1: Well, I think it's, well, who cares what I think? You know, (laughs) none of the big pals care about about my opinion. I will say, oh, let's give them a quick outline of what's happening. So on January 31st, we're recording this on January 23rd. So it's about, you know, a week away or so. They're opening back up to 50% capacity in most places. And then February 21st, they're opening up to 100% capacity in most places. But there's still restrictions. And then March 14th, there will be no restrictions besides the masks, the proof of vaccination, all that stuff that's been around with us since the beginning.
0: I think that actually uh, catches the Billie Eilish concert in some early restrictions. So that may be postponed, much to the chagrin of my 12-year-old daughter and me, because I'm gonna be taking her. But there was something I caught as it relates to this opening. Did you read a star story on Saturday that said 200,000 Canadians have left the food service? Jobs are back up to where they were pre-pandemic across the board. But in the food service, we're out two hundred thousand workers that found other jobs. Even when things open up, it's going to be chaotic in the food service world.
1: Yeah, well, it's not even COVID-related uh, absences now. It's just people who have left for good, and they're going to struggle to find new people to fill those roles with. And so, anyways, I think we'll like look. It'll be a very interesting transition to go from this phase we're in now to a full reopening, and to see how businesses cope with that. I, look, I'm just happy I'm not in that business. I, you know, it's uh, it'd be it'd be a tough place to be right now.
0: That and truck driving, two jobs we talked about a
1: lot the past two weeks. Yeah, no, truck driving, by the way, got a lot of support. There were like marches throughout the country over the weekend. Uh, I saw a march in Toronto. It was, a, it was an amalgamation of anti-vax, anti-mask, and anti-lockdown. And it was all these different types of uh, characters in it. But there was also a trucking protest that was kind of accompanying them.
0: Seems like a good party, Brett. Um, Aside from you being witness to a rally this weekend, what do we have for Peak Pals today?
1: And for the record, I was not in the rally. I I was simply (laughs) walking past it. But we've got, for our first story, low on cattle feed. For our second story, crypto chaos. And for our third story, chips made in the USA.
0: For our first story, desperate for cattle feed, Canadian farmers are importing record amounts of corn from the United States. Brett, what's going on with cattle
1: feed? Well, peak won't be surprised to learn that I'm not much of a farmer myself. And so for the rest of our urban listeners, uh, cattle typically feed on grains, including wheat and barley and corn. And what happened is dry conditions have reduced Canada's feed production and contributed to a higher protein content in our country's wheat crops, which makes it less suitable for animal feed.
0: I would like to know where you got that information, not from like growing up on the farm in Etobicoke, but I get it. Uh, which is why Canada is now one of the top importers of U.S. corn. Dry and hot conditions have slashed 40% of Western Canada's grain output last year, forcing farmers to turn to our southern neighbor for corn as cattle feed. Now, Canada is committed to importing 3.2 million metric tons of corn from the U.S., which is the highest in nearly 20 years, and up from just 457,000
1: tons one year ago. So some experts speculate the surge in corn demand could be a one-off for Canadian farmers. So because the conditions have been very bad for wheat, they'll probably go back to wheat when conditions get better again. However, you know, climate change could result in drier Canadian weather overall, which would make our domestic corn supply increasingly scarce. So it might be a one off, but it also might not. So,
0: Brett, why should Peak Pals care about cattle feed?
1: You know, I get it. Some of these farming stories, they can seem boring. I think we're well aware of that, but they're actually extremely important. Not only does the agricultural industry make the food that we eat, it gets the food from farm to our table, but it's also worth 7.4 percent of Canada's GDP. That's a big, big number. And so when there's a significant shift in how farmers operate or what their costs look like, you can always expect some bigger macroeconomic repercussions that will affect the economy. And even more local, probably expect higher food prices as well as farmers pass down higher costs for things like cattle grain to us consumers. For our second story, prices of Bitcoin and Ethereum, the two largest cryptocurrencies by market cap, have dropped 23% and around 35% respectively since the start of the year. It's been a terrible week for my portfolio, so I'll I'll let you talk about this one or else I I might start crying.
0: (laughs) Sure, those are the two cryptocurrencies I actually own. So it's been a tough few weeks for crypto investors more like Brett than like me. But earlier this month, it was thought that Bitcoin would hold its place as a hedge against rising inflation. Bitcoin prices climbed 3.3% soon after the release of the U.S. Consumer Price Index as the annual rate of inflation hit a 40-year high in the U.S. and a 30-year high in Canada in December. But it didn't last.
1: It it did not last, Jay, at all. Investors concerned that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates faster than expected to tame inflation have prompted a sharp market sell-off, sending stock and cryptocurrency prices on a downward spiral. Now, basically how this works is that higher interest rates mean it's more expensive to borrow money, which usually results in less appetite to invest in assets like cryptocurrencies or stocks.
0: And the market cap for the cryptocurrency market has almost halved from $3 trillion U.S. at its peak in November to $1.6 trillion now. The price of Bitcoin has fallen from November highs of around $70,000 now to 35000 So Brett, what's next for the cryptocurrency markets?
1: While analysts at Morgan Stanley believe that the upcoming policies by central banks around the world, including interest rate hikes, uh, could be problematic for the crypto markets. Their thesis is that crypto markets have benefited from low interest rates, expansion of central bank balance sheets and government stimulus in the last two years. However, their competitors at Goldman Sachs right across the street think that Bitcoin will steal market share from gold and actually end up hitting $100,000, which is more than twice what it is today.
0: For our last story, Intel announced it would spend $20 billion to build a new semiconductor manufacturing plant in Columbus, Ohio. It's part of a broader industry-wide effort to alleviate a chip shortage that has disrupted swaths of the economy and made it a pain to get everything from a new car to a PS5. Brett, that's interesting that Intel is rebasing their manufacturing back into the U.S. What is going on?
1: So the plant will make some of the world's most advanced chips, according at least to Intel chief Pat Gelsinger. That's important because right now the vast majority, 90% by some estimates, of cutting-edge chips are made by TSMC, the Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. What a great name. And they're based in, of all places, Taiwan.
0: The investment by Intel not only shakes up the chip market by setting them up to compete more directly with TSMC, it also helps fulfill the Biden administration's goal of bringing more advanced chip manufacturing to the U.S.
1: And there is a Canadian angle here. Columbus is only a six-hour drive from Kitchener Waterloo, a Canadian tech and engineering talent hub, with Intel expecting to hire 3,000 people in high-skill, high-paying jobs. The average home price in Columbus attempting $275,000 compared to Kitchener Waterloo's (laughs) $842,000. Don't be surprised if this investment sets off a mini brain drain in southwestern Ontario. I, I, I hope they don't cheer for the Blue Jackets. Uh, so, Jay, what's the big picture of why the new Columbus Intel factory matters?
0: Well, aside from we should probably set up a bus from Waterloo to Columbus, Ohio, but we'll talk about that offline. Uh, with semiconductor shortages expect to last well into 2024, Intel's not the only company spending big to ramp up production. Samsung plans to invest $205 billion in its semiconductor unit over the next uh, three years, and TSMC says it will spend $100 billion over the same period.
1: Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country.
0: If you've got a second, want to follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review.
1: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
0: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. I know this doesn't matter so much to you, Brett, but this is going to be the first week back at school since mid-December. Wow,
1: congratulations.
0: I'm very excited. Have a good week.